Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. This is the last message in our series on heaven, and the title of the message is Heaven, Jesus Came Down. Heaven, Jesus Came Down, and we're going to be looking at John 1, verses 1 to 14, and the idea of Jesus coming down comes from verse 14. If you look in your Bible, it says that the word that's talking about Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And so the Bible tells us that Jesus came to us. And here's the thing. Jesus did not come to find out who's naughty or nice. He came on a mission. And here's the mission. It's this. Jesus came from the Father to bring us back to the Father. He left heaven and came to earth. He left the Father, he left the presence of his Father to bring you and me back to the Father. That's what this text teaches us. In verse one it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. What the, that verse is telling you that before history began, Jesus was there with the Father, distinct from the Father, but equal also with the Father. Notice the text says that the word was God, distinct and equal. And what this does is it highlights the doctrine of the Trinity, which is a crucial doctrine of the faith. And this is what we have written in our doctrinal statement. It says we believe in the one living and true God, eternally existing in perfect unity as three equal and fully divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next slide, please. Each member of the Godhead, while executing distinct but complementary roles in redemptive history, has precisely the same nature, attributes, and being, and is equally worthy of the same glory, honor, and obedience. I put that in front of you because the doctrine of the Trinity is a crucial doctrine of the faith. If the doctrine of the Trinity is not true, there's no gospel. And so we hold to that, we lift it up, and we defend it. Verse 3 says, all things were created through him. And apart from him, not, not one thing was created that has been created. Look down at verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was created through him. Yet the world did not recognize him. Here's what I want to tell you. When Jesus came to earth, it was our creator coming to us. It says all things were created through him. You got to think about this. The womb that held Jesus, he created. The nails that went through his hands, he created. The tree that was used to hang him on a cross when he died for our sins, he created. So Jesus coming to us is this beautiful act of humility. Colossians 1 says, everything, 
and by everything, the Bible means everything, was created by him in heaven, there it is, and on earth. All things were, have been created through him and for him. The Bible tells you that you're made by Jesus, that you belong to Jesus, and that you're also being sustained by Jesus. Do you know that? Hebrews, let me show you. I'm not making it up, I promise. Hebrews 1, verse 3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. Watch this. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. Even at this very moment, Jesus is saying, exist, exist. He is upholding you. Jesus, again, I was thinking about this this week. My mind was getting blown. You got to think about this. We, at this point in, uh, in, in sort of the, the time of the world, we stop and we remember the birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus was giving his mother strength when she was giving birth. Think, see, you should have, that should have touched you way more. That's crazy. He's giving his mother strength to give birth. Jesus just gave you the breath you just took. That, that, that reminds us that we are, we are dependent people. That there should be this thing about us that this humility should come off of us all the time because we need God every single moment. The Bible says, what do you have that you did not receive? Everything that you have in your life is from God. Jesus is sustaining us at all times. It should make us humble. We're dependent beings. Verse 4 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Notice that again, this idea that in him was life. Nobody gave him life. Pre-existent, always there. And it says that he was the light of men. That reminds us here that the, the light of Jesus helps us. Luke 1 says, because of God's merciful compassion. Got to think, the incarnation is driven by God's compassion on us. Because of God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Jesus helps us by opening our eyes. Jesus shines a light on you. Do you know that? He exposes you. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't expose you like how when other people expose you. Sometimes people expose you to shame you, to hurt you, to make you feel small. Jesus exposes you. He shows you who you are truly. He shows you sin truly, not to shame you, not to hurt you, but to help you. He opens your eyes to the reality that, that we are broken, that we actually need God, that we need a Savior. And he takes us off the path of shame and guilt and suffering and puts us on the path of peace, the path of heaven, because that's where you're going. Remember, came from the Father to bring us back to the Father. Verse 5 says, that light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. When Jesus came to earth, the light defeated the darkness. The light defeated the darkness. Now, when you look at the life of Jesus, doesn't it look like darkness won? Think about this. His birth was basically ignored. 
Only a couple people noticed. When he went about his life and ministry, he was doubted. People thought he was crazy. His own family members. Do you know that when you read the gospel properly? They come and they're like, Jesus, can you come home, please? Because all this stuff that you're the savior of the world, you're kind of embarrassing us. His, his, his brothers and sisters thought he was crazy. And then they crucified him. And then at that moment, all his disciples, all the people who were following him were scattered, running and hiding. It looked like it was all over. It looked like it was the end. It looked like darkness won. That's how it looked. But there is a hymn that gets this so right. It says, there in the ground his body lay. Light of the darkness, light of the world by darkness slain. It looked like it was over. Light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day. It looked like it was over, but then it says, then bursting forth in glorious day. What? Up from the grave, he rose again. It looked like darkness won. But in that moment, darkness was being defeated. And here's what you got to understand. Ever since this day, people have been streaming to the light. Isaiah says, nations will come to your light and kings to your shining brightness. This is true. All you've got to do is look at the church you're a part of. One of the reasons why I love our church is that it's this beautiful mix of the nations who have streamed to the light. God has taken you out of darkness and placed you in the kingdom of light. People are streaming to the light. Our church proves this. Every, now, every time, I want you to know, every time you see Christmas lights, do you know what it should do? It should remind you that the darkness will never win. That light has won. Light is victorious. Now, I'm telling you that Jesus defeated the darkness. And you're probably sitting there going, but Marv, it seems so dark. You're telling us the darkness has been defeated, but the world feels like such a dark place. Am I the only one that feels that sometimes? You watch the news, you think about, you think things going on, doesn't it seem dark? Here's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you why that is. There are some people in our world who genuinely don't care about other people. And so they use people, they abuse them, they exploit them from pimps to preachers. But here's here's the thing. All of those people will have to answer to God. It says God, remember we talked about this in the first message. He sits up in heaven. It's the dwelling place of God, watching over the just and the unjust. And God will execute perfect justice. All the evil that is in the world, those committing acts of evil who are not in Christ will have to answer to God. That is a reality that we we wait on in the darkness. And here's this other thing. Satan is raging. One of the reasons why the world is so dark is Satan is rich. He is doing anything he can to keep people out of heaven. Do you know that? Anything he can to, to keep people from coming to 
the light. But I want you to know that he is fighting a losing battle. If this is a boxing match, that boy's got a bloody nose. If it's a boxing match, he's missing teeth. If it's a boxing match, he's hanging on the ropes because it's all over for him. It's a losing battle. How come nobody's, I'm up here giving it to you and you're not saying amen. He is fighting a losing battle. It's over for him. One of the things that you find is when somebody knows that it's over, they, they try all they can. They throw all kinds of haymakers. And I told you this, and I'll tell you again, every time he throws one at Jesus, it's a jab, then it's a boom uppercut. It's, it's that kind of battle. He knows it's over, and he's trying all that he can to take people down with him. But the darkness has been defeated. Verse 6 says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light, that's Jesus Christ, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Two times you see that phrase, testifying, testifying. Every chance John got, this is the cousin of Jesus, every chance he got, he talked about Jesus Christ. He never hesitated. And here's what he said to them. John, I believe, yeah, one. says, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is, he says, this is the one I told you about. After me, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me. Why? Because Jesus is God. Because he what? Existed before me. See the idea there again? Was there in the beginning. He exalted Jesus Christ. And here's why. Here's why he did this. Look at verse 7. It tells you why he did it. He came as a witness to testify about the light. Why? Here's, here it is. So that all might believe through him. John wanted to see people get to heaven. He wanted to see people experience life change. He wanted them to know the Savior. He wanted them to know the one who could rescue them. And so he tells them about the person who can make it Happen, And here's the thing. The life of John challenges us to do the same. You and I live in a culture where they don't want you to talk about Jesus. Where all they want to do is silence you. But we have to step into that and say, no, my Savior is real. And I'm not afraid to talk about him no matter where I am. We testify about the light. And here, I want to tell you two things. When you, when you share the gospel, when you share about Jesus, it won't be all love. Again, just think about John's life. He came testifying, but what did people think? They thought he was weird. They thought he was crazy. Eventually, for standing up for the truth, he gets thrown in jail. And eventually, he loses his life. And I'll tell you right now, I had a moment this week where the Holy Spirit asked, asked me directly, just pressed on my heart, 
Are you prepared for that in your life, Marv? Are you okay with standing up and exalting Jesus Christ and, and, and having people think that you're weird? And having maybe somebody lock you up at some point, are you ready for that? Because you should be. And if you truly believe what you say you believe, you will do that. Being a humble witness takes courage and conviction. It takes that. And we have to be ready for what comes. And courage and conviction comes when we ask the Holy Spirit to help us be those types of people. Here's the other thing. When you share the gospel, it's never okay to be disrespectful or rude. I told you it's right for us to speak the truth in love. That's good. But there's no place for us to be hurtful, disrespectful, and rude. Not at all. See, sometimes, right, we know there's some people in the, in the culture who are hostile to the faith. We know that. But sometimes the hostility comes not because of the message. The hostility comes because of how we delivered it. And we're like, why is that person mad at us? We're like, well, you kind of, you were in a fight with them. Why are they mad at me? Because you were forcing your view on them. Rather than humbly saying, here's the truth, you think about it, see what God does with that in your life. I'm here if you have questions. This is not a fight. I'm not trying to win an argument. I'm just trying to tell you about the Savior of the world. That's it. The Bible says we are to speak with, when we speak, when we stand up for what we believe in, we are to do it with gentleness and respect. That's what it says. And so that has to be our posture. Verse 11. Where am I? It says, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So again, this idea of Jesus coming down, do you see it? Came from heaven, came to his own. This is saying the people who knew him, the people who grew up with him, the, his, his own nation rejected him. They saw Jesus, they heard what Jesus had to say, and they were like, no, thank you. We don't want that. But not everybody was like that. Look at the passage, verse 12. I tell you, I'm up here. I'm, ne I'm never trying, I'm never making stuff up. I just want to tell you what the Bible says. Verse 12. But, there's this contrast. To all who did receive him, watch what happens. He gave them the right to be children of God. Jesus came from the Father to bring us back to the Father. Do you see that? He gave them the right to become children of God. To those who, are, who believe in his name. That word believe is talking about active trust. It's this belief that Jesus is God. It's this belief that he, he did die for our sins. It's this belief that he is the savior that we need. That is what believe means here in his name. And this is how we receive the gift. And do you notice what the gift is? Adoption. Look at the text. He gave them the right to become, to be children of God. This is why Jesus can say to you, in my father's house are many rooms. If it wasn't true, I wouldn't have told you that. Jesus doesn't lie. And he says, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. He's getting it ready. We talked, see how the, all the messages are sort of coming back to right here? And he says, I will come to take you to be with myself. Came from the father, 
to bring us back to the Father. We'll come again to finally complete that. Children of God. You, want, you gotta understand this. You're precious to the king. I said it, I, and I, I keep saying it because I, 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 it's one of the things that I think is important. God looks at you with love. Because when he looks at you, he sees his son. You're precious to the king. And you gotta understand, your salvation is a work of the king. Look at verse 13. Who were, not, who were born not of natural descent. That word born here speaks of a spiritual birth. Not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh. So it wasn't us. We didn't make it happen. But look again. Or of the will of man, but of God. Child of the king, and you were rescued by the king of God. He did it. It is a gift. See, when Jesus came to earth, what happened was the, the gift of new life was given. That's what you got. You were, you were experienced a spiritual birth. And this, this verse is so important because it teaches you don't have to earn your salvation. Works righteousness is nowhere in the Bible. You don't have to earn your salvation. It is a gift that you received by faith. You simply believe the truth of the gospel and you're adopted into the family of God. You got to understand here that this teaches something so important and it's this, God has changed you. God has changed you. Ask yourself if you actually believe that. God has changed you. You're a child of God. Your identity is not the same. And here's the thing. Every time you go back to old habits, do you know what you're doing? You are behaving like the old you. Not the same. That's how you should see sin. When it happens in your life, you should say, what am I doing over here doing this? I'm behaving out of character. You're not the same. And so much of our life would be lived in victory if we would remember and realize that God has given me a new identity. There's a new power within us. We have a new heart. The Holy Spirit is residing in us. And so when sin shows up, I can have victory. I don't have to go back to the old habits. The scripture is trying to tell you victory is always yours. All you have to do is trust and follow the Holy Spirit who is leading you into the path of peace, who is leading you to heaven, who is telling you, no, 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 Marv, you don't got to live like that. You can have victory. And I want to tell you some things as a child of God that you've got to understand. You're forgiven. Sometimes we look back at the things that we've done in the past, right? Remember that reggae song, memories don't live like people do. They always remember you, whether things are good or bad. It's just the, some of you don't know that. That's that, you know, before Christ moment coming up. But you're forgiven. All of that is back there. Even the thing that you did yesterday or the thing that you did Wednesday, it says if you confess your sins, if you have done that, he is faithful and just to forgive you from all of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The, the things in the past, the things that you did a minute ago, if you confess, forgiveness is yours. It's there as a child of God. You're forgiven. Do you know that you're gifted? 
that you have a gift that is so unique to you that the Holy Spirit has given and that the church family needs that for you to use it. You're gifted by God. You are free as a child of God. You don't have to say yes to sin. Again, there is victory because the Holy Spirit resides in you. Do you know that you have a coming inheritance? The Bible says that it's unfading and it's kept in heaven. And Peter, it says, for you, it's coming. There's this beautiful thing, this beautiful gift that Jesus plans to give to you the day that you walk into heaven. When, remember that song? When we all get to, I can't sing. I'm just going to say it. When we all get to heaven, what a beautiful day that would be. What a glorious day. Why? We will sing and shout victory and an inheritance is going to be handed to you. And it's going to be, you're going to be told. Come and inherit the kingdom that has been prepared for you before the foundation of the world, before history began. Jesus was building this thing for you and for me. It's coming, unfading, kept. You are favored by God. Favored by God. When you're walking into that job interview, pray and ask God to give it to you because he can favored by God. You are being sanctified. Do you know that Christians are the only ones in the world who are actually changing? You might go to the gym as an unbeliever and lose weight, but nothing really changed about you except weight. But inside, God is sanctifying you. He is He is working in you. He has started something beautiful and you will experience glorification. Sometimes you're sitting there and you're like, I don't feel like I'm all fired up right now. I don't feel like I'm changing. But just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not happening. God is working on you. You are being sanctified. And you got to understand, you are royalty. You're like, huh? Think about it. If God... If God is the king and you're a child of the king, what does that make you? You're royalty. Prince Harry, all those guys, they're like earthly royalty. You are supernatural royalty. And every every command of scripture is when you read your Bible and it says, don't do that, do this. Do you know what God's telling you? He's saying, my child who is royalty, live like it. That's how you look at scripture. It's God saying, behave like who you are. Behave like a member of the family. You're you're a child of the king and you're going to be with the king. That's why the tagline of our series is just hold on. You're going home. You're a child of the king and you're going to be with the king. I heard Drake say one like, recently in a song that he knows when it's all done, he's going to go where God's from. Well, he can rap it, but we can be confident in it. Royalty. See, we, here's what this passage teaches you. We turned our backs on God, but God did not turn his back on us. He turned his face towards us. He came to be with us. You're like, how do you know? Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We walked away, but he didn't abandon us. And every Christmas, this is what you should remember. 
That's what Christmas should remind you of, that God has not abandoned us, that yes, sometimes it seems and feels dark, but the light has won. You're a child of the king. He did not turn his back on us. He came for us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Our God made low to rescue us, came from the Father to bring us back to the Father. And as we wait, live in your gospel reality. Live in your new identity, child of God. Let's pray. Let's stand as I pray. Father, I I ask, Lord, God, that you would help us in these moments to see the times rightly. There's so many ups and downs. There's so much bad news. There's so many things that, we, that come to us that we're just, we're just not expecting. But Lord, there's things that are unchanging, rock solid. And it's this reality that that Jesus came to earth and in that moment, everything changed, that he left heaven and did a supernatural work on our behalf. God, we thank you that because of Jesus Christ, we can, we can leave here today and say, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm loved by God. I have a coming inheritance. Yes, there's difficulty. Yes, there'll be more storms. But my inheritance is unfading. It's kept in heaven. God, I pray that we would realize how dependent we are on you, that we need you at all times. And that because of the word, the powerful word of Jesus Christ, we're, we're being upheld every day. God, I pray that we would understand that you love us deeply, that we are forgiven, that you are doing a transforming work in us. Pray that we would give you glory and praise every day, give you thanks every day. The moments we open our eyes, we give you thanks because we know you said, wake up. God, we praise you for your presence in our life. In the struggle, we know that we are not alone, Lord. And I pray that as we spend time with uh, people in our lives, as we slow down and, and take the usual Christmas break, that we would not forget, we would remember that this is a time where you're reminding us that you have not abandoned us, that you are with us, that you have done a powerful work already in our heart, and that there's a day coming where we will see and experience heaven fully. And we will give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.